This week's episode of Ladies Who League is dedicated to the entire Ladies Who League family, particularly our listeners. Thank you so much for all the support that you've given this show this year. We love your input and we love that you enjoy what we do so much. Coming up on today's show, plenty of laughs with Lucy Zelich and Hannah Hollis. And we also chat with Bryony Akel, the New South Wales Swifts new coach. Turn your porch lights off because we're coming home with a trophy. Last play. Reba goes down the short side, turns it away to Karina Brown. She puts it on the foot. That's taken the hand of Fiso. Brown hustling up. She's dived on the ball. You're listening to Ladies Who Lead. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's grand finale of this season of Ladies Who League. I'm your host, Mary Kay, and I'm finishing the season with a massive bang with a phenomenal panel. Lucy Zelich from SBS, welcome back to Ladies Who League. Well, I don't know that it's a phenomenal, phenomenal panel with me on it. I can't even get the words out. We've been acting like high school kids in here, Mary. My greatest fear <laughs> for this particular program was that we weren't going to get any work done or take any of it seriously because that, that, of that person giggling in the background. Please introduce her. Do you want to introduce that person giggling in the background? Oh, I kind of do, actually. It's Go a little for bit it. exciting because now I can feel the giddy schoolgirl coming out again. It is my absolute pleasure and delight to welcome the extraordinary, the effervescent, the super talented Fox Sports presenter, Hannah Hollis. Hi! (laughs) What an introduction. Oh, Lucy Mary, thank you very much. This is my debut. How's that? Grand final. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for making the time. It's very much appreciated. No, of course. Of course, I have heard some of the podcasts over the weeks that you've done it. I've heard the one that you did with Yvonne and Lucy, and that sounded like such a blast. Tara was on. Tara Russian, that is. Lara Pitt, Todd Greenberg. You've had everyone on this show. We have had some very exceptional people this season and it continues with you here in the studio this morning. Now, Hannah, I've got to ask, your Dali M dress, where was it from? It was phenomenal. Stunning. It, it was nice, huh? Very, I, it was nice, <laughs> huh? It was all right. <laughs> I was very lucky. I felt I felt like a princess in it. It was an Alex Perry dress. It was just beautiful. Oh, just Alex Perry. Just yeah, Alex Perry, we're very you know. lucky. The styling team at Fox Sports are incredible and we went through a couple of options and that was my favourite and so they said, yep, off you go. So, you know, and then once you have the tan, the hair and makeup, you just feel, you know, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, which is important when you are doing a red carpet show and then going on to host the awards. The last thing you want to think about is how you look or how you feel. I can assure you first thing in the morning, I don't feel bulletproof. I'm sitting at the hairdressers, my hair's all frizzy. I'm like, how is this going to happen? It takes an army. It really does. Honestly, there was a photo going around just before we went down to the red carpet and I had um, one of the wardrobe ladies underneath my dress, putting my shoes on, the makeup artist, putting bronzing powder, liquid, all of those things all over my body. And then um, the other stylist was putting earrings, like threading earrings through my ear. And I just stood there and I was like, is this what it's like to be a supermodel on the runway? Like, this is what they do. You see like the chaos behind the scenes and then, yeah, everyone's just touching everyone. But yeah, it takes an army. But away from all the glitz and glamour, because I mean, it goes without saying that you looked extraordinarily beautiful. And I, of course, am very biased having worked with you for many, many years over at SBS. It still guts me every day that you left, but of course, still fantastic to see you doing so well at Fox Sports. But the night itself, I mean, such a massive responsibility to be tasked with, which might I 
ad, you glided through seamlessly. You were just fantastic. The consummate professional, but also your insight and value that you were able to add from your experience now working in rugby league. What was it like being in and amongst that entire group of players, you know, also well regarded in the country, but also then to see the, the hype and excitement building up towards the grand final? Oh, it was, it's hard to put into words, Los. It was such an adrenaline rush. And I think when I, like after the show, I sat down in my chair and I kind of slumped into it and I was like, wow, what a roller coaster that was. And at the time, you know, when you're on the red carpet and we're waiting for these players to come through, like you're looking at the games elite, like these are the best mm. of the best. And you just kind of go, hey, it's great to see everyone scrubs up okay and everyone looks really dashing and we are here to celebrate the best of the best. And this is about the milestones and the greatness that these guys have been able to do and achieve over the over the season. And, you know, of course, then when the Storm Boys arrive and the North Queensland Cowboys boys arrived, particularly Jonathan Thurston, or that like there was a fan segment there on the other side of the red carpet, which was great. And I don't think they've done that for many years. And um, JT spent heaps of time taking photos with everyone. And it just, it, it, it hits you how like the gravity of the situation and how uh, important Sunday is. And it's really nice that everyone took time out to come to the Dalliums on a Wednesday. You know, it's not that there's only like, what five days before the grand final. And um, yeah, everyone was on their best behavior. And it was just, it was such a great night. And the fact that um, Lyra Peer, Devon Sampson, Jesse Yates, and myself from League Life, we were able to do our League Life special from the red carpet. We wanted to do it differently. We had um, various meetings about how we were going to do that. And, you know, of course, everyone loves the glitz and the glamour and the dress. And but it's we, not about that, is it? Exactly. And yeah. we wanted to figure out a way that we could do it differently. So we kind of brainstormed, we want to pick out the beautiful storylines of the year and that's what we want to talk about. And I, I was presenting the award for Rookie of the Year that ended up going to Nick Kotrick from the Canberra Raiders and he was one of my guests for the red carpet and his parents um, were there in Canberra and they made the trip up, which was lovely um, because, you know, he's from like sort of rural Canberra, just on the outskirts. Some would call no that a judgment. country town. Yeah. No, Lucy and I can say that because we grew up Canberra there. Canberra girls. <laughs> um, and it was just really lovely to talk to him. This kid's 18 years old. He hasn't even turned 19 yet. And the poise that he was able to hold himself with and speak to someone you know, in front of all those people and the lights and the cameras and the cameraators have kept him out of the media because he is so green and understandably so. Um, and he just held himself with such professionalism. And I was really impressed with that, uh, particularly working in ru in rugby league. Um, Lucy, I've forgotten the part of your question, but uh, it was a great night. <laughs> I was going to say well, it was a great answer to whatever question Lucy asked. <laughs> Hannah, I just want to also congratulate you, Vonnie, Lara and Jess yeah. on League Live. Oh, thank yes. you. Truly, it is exceptional to see see Fox Sports pushing you all to be leaders in in rugby league really and oh, you've taken you. women in rugby league to a whole new level. It's a pleasure to watch all of you to call you as role models mm. and I will keep stomping my feet and telling everyone I know to watch all of you because you are outstanding. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we were very nervous at the start of the year when this women's show was sort of first thrown around nervous, like in the nervous boardroom. Why, nervous to see how the rugby league community would digest it. How are they going to receive four women talking footy. Uh, we 
have been working on the sidelines and, you know, doing news roles and things like that. But how is that going to translate when the four of us are throwing our own opinions out there, which um, in two parts would be potentially difficult for the audience to absorb, but then also difficult for us to put ourselves out there because we come from news backgrounds and we're all journalists. And, you know, the fundamental rule about being a journalist is that you're impartial. So you gather all the facts and then you digest them and then you regurgitate them to the public in a way that's easy to understand. That's why I'm not a journalist because I'm not impartial. <laughs> oh, no. So you're just a lawyer instead, Mary. Yeah, that makes exactly. Sense. Lawyer and a fan. Sorry, Hannah, I interrupted. Please continue. No, that's okay. That's okay. So um, we were just worried about how we were going to still remain impartial but give our opinions on certain issues, um, the various issues that rugby league likes to throw up to us during a season. But, you know, again, we sat down and we're four intelligent women and I think so highly of Yvonne, Lara and Jess um, that we were confident that we'd be able to do it our way and in a way that felt comfortable to us. So we decided that when we would get our guests on, we didn't, we wanted to stay away from the footy. Yes, that comes into the conversation because that's why they're there and they're relevant to us. But we wanted to learn about the man, the player, or the human behind this athlete that we only see on the footy field, how people got to where they are and the stories. And it's remarkable, the storylines that we were able to get out of um, the various people that we had on the show. I loved it. I loved it every week. Congratulations. Thank you. Keep yeah, doing what you're doing. Great. Thank you. Lucy, I feel like I haven't given you enough love. What do you mean? On the show yet, I honestly. Feel, I feel very loved. Good, because we really, really love you. I'm going to come to you first it, with this well, question. Well, if you want to really help me out, Mary, just bringing up the fact that you're a lawyer, I got a parking ticket the other week from having lunch with Sarah Arbo and Hannah Hollis, so do you want to try and get me out of that one? <laughs> Leave it with me. We can talk after the show. Lucy, I know rugby league is not your first sport, but we've had an outstanding year this year. Can you tell me about some of your favourite moments from the season? Oh, look, um, rugby league is something, and I will have to say that we grew up, I mean, coming from a predominantly football, if not entirely football, uh, loving family, um, we always tended to have some kind of sport on in the background. Um, And if it wasn't football, then it was either rugby league or AFL or the cricket. So I've taken a real shining to to rugby league over the years and, and enjoy it very much. Recently, looking more at AFL too and enjoying the game and developing a better understanding of it. Um, so I've, I've, I'd like to consider myself a bit of a jack of all sports, um, if I can say so. Not an expert in all, certainly not even an expert in football. Um, but and I oh, call it football it. because it is the game you play with your feet. Yeah, right. So Hannah and I have had go. this conversation many, many times where here we here she goes. Disagree. Oh, no, it's not even here she goes. This so how she got the parking <laughs> fine. <laughs> not, no, I just chose not to go and top up the meter while the other girls did. Um, no, but it's the game that you play with your feet. So if we want to have a real debate about it, it's, okay, so what do you predominantly use in AFL and in rugby league and in rugby union? Your hands, mm. right? So why don't we start mm. calling it handball? <laughs> Right? Can I just call it rugby league? Yeah, or just call it rugby league or AFL. Don't call it football. You're kicking it occasionally. But in rugby league in particular, you're actually really just using it with your hands. I can see you're balking at this, Hannah. What well, about, argue what, about point. what about footy? Can we just call it footy? You can call it footy. That's yeah, footy's fine. okay because you Footy's... don't call football footy. No. Yes, no. correct. No, I like that. No. 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 I got a bit elitist about that, didn't Those I? Those uncouth rugby league fans and their footy. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, they're not uncouth. It's just that you can't call it football. And I'll leave that argument there because I'm right. Anyway, um, <laughs> look, um, one of my favourite moments this season, it's, it's actually away from the current sporting seasons and it's got largely to do with the Matildas. Um, I think it's just been so fantastic to see them go from strength to strength. We saw what they did at the Tournament of Nations. Um, and now what they've done recently against Brazil, to give them that kind of toweling up, three consecutive games they defeated them. It was just remarkable to watch. But it's also the storylines around the Matildas as well. We've seen what they've been through, the struggles that they've had to, to go through, um, you know, in not just the last couple of years, but, you know, we're going back 10, 15 years now. Um, and all, the, all of the drama that unfolded after the 2015 Women's World Cup when we saw the team go on strike, I mean, that was something that was a really dark moment in, in women's sport and in women's football. But now to be at a point where we've seen what they've done and they continue to rise um, and, and on the world stage too, this isn't just going and, and, you know, giving a couple of teams a run for their money. They're giving the best teams in the world a run for their money. So And, and that's been the really exciting thing for me to see from a football perspective. Um, but the storylines around it, I mean, to sell out Pepper's Stadium, um, that was just phenomenal. And then to get an even bigger crowd over in Newcastle, uh, a record crowd for a women's football match. Uh, I mean, and, and this is just fantastic, but it's also a symptom of how things are going and where they're going now with the Matildas. Uh, and, and also, so when we talked about, you know, them going on strike a few months after the 2015 World Cup, it was all to do with the, the payment, the treatment of the players and the conditions there for them. Well, recently, together with the Professional Footballers Australia body, which is the Players Union and Football Federation, Australia, they came to an agreement on finally a collective bargaining agreement, which will expire at the same time as the men's deal. Mm. And when I spoke to Kate Gill, a former player, Perth Glory, and also very successful Matilda in her time, who was driving the, the cause very much so, she said that this is a landmark moment in our game and this is something that needed to happen. And it was also a bittersweet moment for her too because she was one of those players that dealt with all of the struggles and didn't have a minimum wage, um, <clears throat> didn't really have any good conditions in place to be able to protect the players. And for the people out there that want to argue about how, well, you know, they shouldn't get as much money as the men because the sport isn't on the same platform, well, to that I argue this. If you were to turn up to work in a full-time capacity and your your boss expected you to come in every day, nine to five, and even above and beyond, right, to go above and beyond your required expectations and limits, would you expect to be rewarded accordingly for that? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yes. Tomorrow, if your boss's Mary said, you know what, Mary, come in, um, we're going to ask you to come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, but we're going to pay you for three days. You'd, you'd turn around and tell them to piss off, wouldn't you? I'd start laughing. Yeah, you would. No, thank Absolutely. You. Same mm. thing at Fox Sports and likewise for me at SBS. That is the, use that same analogy and apply it to the Matildas. So if you're expecting these players to give you a professional full-time commitment, just reward them and remunerate them accordingly. It's so that simple, is, isn't it? It, it? It's as simple and as complicated as that. Mm. So this has nothing to do with the quality of the football that they're delivering, the, 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 the popularity of the sport. It's just remunerate them to the best of your abilities and your expectations of their input and commitment. That's it. Mm. As Australian sports fans, we also have very, very high expectations of our sporting teams. How can you possibly expect a team to turn up and play professionally when they have to juggle another job to be able to fund 
basic human existence. I've had players break down in tears to me. So when they did go on strike at Hyde Park that day, and it was a very emotional day for me because you're seeing these players actually in tears and some of them saying that they've had to take out several credit cards because they can't afford to live. Um, some of them, Katrina Gorry even said to me, one of our greatest players of this current generation said to me that she was considering retiring in the next couple of years because she couldn't sustain things financially. So when you're in that position, you're thinking, well, this isn't this isn't fair and it's not right for them to mm. be in this scenario. So what can we do? Fortunately, we have done something. And by we, I mean the PFA and the FFA. Mm. So hats off to them for finally coming to the table and doing it behind closed doors because it was a very public and ugly dispute the last time around. So the fact that they've been able to come to it on quiet terms and do it appropriately in a way that serves both the players, the union and the governing body, I think is remarkable. So you have to give them a pat on the back for that. We talk and we will talk later on to Bryony and, and, and talk about, you know, maternity policies around various sports and codes. Finally, now the Matildas have a maternity policy in place, which they didn't. It was very well documented when Heather Garriock, another former Matilda, had to go to the New South Wales Administrative Courts Tribunal to fight and argue her case about when she took her child with her on tour for the Matildas and had to pay for her carer, for her mother to come along with her, for her room, for all of those things. Now we have that protection in place for them. Um, and that's just a, it's a really good, it's a really good outcome for everybody involved, for the game, for the players, um, and for, for, for young girls that actually want to look at this as a career path. You know, I'll never forget when I was at uh, a game, and I'll end on this note because I could just talk for days. Um, yeah, you, you, you're worried about not giving me any love now, Mary, and now you're thinking I've given her too much. Yeah, we've left. We've never. Left. <laughs> Hannah's everyone's, out. Everyone's left. <laughs> Guys, are you still here? No, um, but in the aftermath of all of that scandal that happened with the Matildas, I found myself at a, um, a local under-sixes a junior game in Randwick. I was just driving past. I thought, you know what, it's a nice afternoon. I'm going to pop out and have a look. And a parent had approached me and said, um, you know, oh, Lucy... Um uh, we've really been dismayed about everything that's happened with the Matildas now. This is such an unfortunate thing. And we were talking about it and he had this gorgeous little six-year-old daughter with him and I looked down at her and I ask all children this, you know, this question when, whenever I'm in a footballing environment and I said to her, I said, cutie pie, do you want to be a footballer when you grow up? And she looked up at me and she says, I want to, but daddy said I can't. And wow. I just, I looked at him and he could see the look of shock splashed across my face. And I said to him, what do you mean? You said that she can't be. She said, no, no. And he worked very hard to correct it. Mm. Jam it in reverse. Yep, yep. <laughs> Back it up. <laughs> Dig <Because>, up. <laughs> because of obviously how bad it looked. And he said, no, 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 no. It said, it's not that I don't want her to, but he said, with everything playing out with the Matildas, he said, I don't want my daughter to live a life of struggle. And you know what? You can understand that as a parent. Why would you? When you can see what, these, what that current group of players were going going through, um, you wouldn't want that for your child. So now, you know, if I'm ever to see them again, I hope that I can look down at her and ask her that same question and she'll say, yes, daddy says I can. So these are the nice stories that come out of moments like this for me. So you want the grassroots to be doing well because they are the future of the game. Lucy, one of my favourite photos that uh, that I feel like went viral this year was of, of um, so Sam Kerr wears number 20 on her back. Is that oh, right? Oh, yes. Right. This is so good. I saw this picture of this bloke and it was mm -hmm. from behind and he had like he had the jersey with a two on the back and then he got like green masking tape mm -hmm. or something and, you know, somehow made a circle out of straight lines <laughs> and written Kerr. And then put the put the zero next to the twenty um, next to the two, so it looked like twenty. And I was like, "That is awesome!" But like, you know whose name that he crossed out, right? No, whose name? One of the greatest like players of our golden generation, Lucas Neal. 
So wow. he'd actually mm-hmm. crossed out Neil's name, and that's where he then inserted Kerr's yes. and and filled in the number. So I, I just, and I loved it because at the Newcastle game, she actually got him onto the ground and then gave mm-hmm. him her playing jersey oh, um, from yes. that day. moment. I love and it, that. And it's just it kind of gives me goosebumps. Mm, it me makes too. me feel all warm and fuzzy inside because it's nice to see that they're getting the support that they deserve. And it's not about you having to love one or the other. This is the point. You don't, Hannah, have to choose whether you watch women's rugby league or men's rugby league. We can watch it all. You can watch it all. And this is the beauty about sport. And I've long maintained that argument. If you love the sport, irrespective of who's playing it and how old they are or the gender, you'll go out and bloody watch the damn thing. Mm. Yeah. Well said, Lucy. That's enough from me. (laughs) Hannah, what about you? (laughs) What has been your Um, moment this season? So how do I top that? Uh, That's why I came to you and I'm not giving mine yet. So (laughs) it's okay. We're all good here. (laughs) Thanks, Mary. Um, I guess this is my first year at Fox League. Uh, so I suppose joining the team from a personal point of view was uh, a career highlight for me and I will never forget my very first game. So it was round one. Hang on a second. Working on the Brazil World Cup with me wasn't a career highlight for It you? was, absolutely. No, Boo. it was. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Help me, Mary. It's uh, fine. Focus on me. You're talking to me, <laughs> Hannah. You're talking to me. So it was, it was round one and it was at Cogra. And I'd never done sort of sideline for Fox League before and I knew it was really important and it was the Panthers up against the Dragons and the Panthers came into this season red-hot favourites to take out the Premiership and the Dragons came out and thumped them. It was a all-consuming, amazing performance. Joel Thompson, who I have a lot of respect for and time for. He's proud of his Indigenous heritage and he spends a lot of time working with a lot of juvenile justice kids. In his spare time and in his time off, he he doesn't get paid for any of that stuff and I just have a lot of respect for that. He went out and got a hat trick. And so he was my first interview that I did post-game and I will never forget that. He was so great to me and I had just this rush of adrenaline and you get caught up in the emotion and it was was fantastic. So that was one of my highlights. And a second one was Josh Reynolds from the Bulldogs, his final game at Belmore when the entire stadium like ran onto the field. I remember because I was watching at home and I remember him trying to do an interview with Fox Sports and Bonnie's (laughs) like, hi, hi Josh, like congratulations on the win. And then... the punters picked him up and like the microphone's gone everywhere and the headphones are dangling off the side of him and it was just such a scene and that to me like you know really um captured the emotion of the Bulldogs and how big that was that Josh was moving on given he sort of was the embodiment of everything that they wanted to be. One of my favourites we had him on the show last week. Oh, isn't he just a lovely bloke, Mary? He is. And one of my favourite things about last week's show was Britt Carter coming up to me after the show and saying, I wasn't a massive fan of Josh, but now that I've heard him on on the show and heard his story, I just love him too. And I was like, that's what happens when you finally get to hear the stories behind our players. Exactly. Mm. Absolutely. Has has he found love? Last time I spoke to him, he was looking for love. So funny you bring that that up. right? Funny you bring that (laughs) up. Now it's a dating service too, Mary. (laughs) In addition to providing a platform for me to catch up with one of my best friends here and bully her on air, um, you're also a dating service. We do it all here, ladies. Ladies who bachelorette. Ladies who love. Ladies Ladies who love. (laughs) So funny you mentioned that because one of my questions for Josh was about Matt Frawley because he put up a picture a few weeks ago suggesting that Matt Frawley should be the next bachelor. Perhaps it should be Matt and Josh together. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, dynamic duo. Dynamic duo. I think it would be extremely entertaining. (laughs) 
I, I, I'm not sure where to go from here except to, Josh, will you accept this rose? <laughs> there we go. Lucy Zalich asking Josh Reynolds to accept a rose. This wow. show's going to go viral. Well, I am a single woman, Josh, so just so that we know. I mean, not that I want to start peddling that about, but, yeah, that's that's interesting. I might get my notebook out and jot that down. I am calling him after this. <laughs> no, you're not. Don't, do not do that. Lucy and I carpooled here, so that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you're, you're walking home. I expect that. to see that on Instagram. I look forward to it. I'm going to give now you. I'm both. sweating. I'm actually physically sweating. <laughs> I want to give you both my highlights for the year. Yes, please do, Mary. The first one is my Australian Jillaroos and just the growth in women's rugby league this year. Woo! It has been a phenomenal year in that they will be playing in a rugby league World Cup at the end of this year. It is the first time that the men's and the women's has been played concurrently, and the final will be a double header on December 2nd at Suncorp Stadium. This year, the Jillaroos managed to beat the Kiwi Ferns on every occasion that they met. That People, is huge. It is huge. Oh. People come up to me now and tell me how amazing they think women like Ruan Sims, Alana Ferguson, Kezi Apsa. Jessica Sergis made her debut last week after scoring three tries in the New South Wales Interstate Challenge earlier this year. It's just been the most wonderful year for women playing rugby league. And how good is the language surrounding it, the rhetoric? No longer is it a curtain, curtain raiser, raiser, it's a double header. That's what I love. Because and that's what needs to change, yeah. right, Han? It's yeah. just the language around it. Mm. Absolutely. So that was one of my highlights. And in the spirit of me not being a journalist, of course, the Eels making the finals for the first time since 2009. Oh, Mary, you're allowed to. I think, you're, uh, I think you should be allowed to support a team, even though I you are a journalist. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that necessarily that you're going to be, um, you know, in favour of them even more so. But I'm, I'm, I don't shy away from – because at the end of the day, we are also football fans too. Yes. Um, and that for me is the, the first and foremost thing. And I will always be a football fan with or without this job. So I don't feel like, yes, you have to be more impartial. That's, uh, you know, that's only – fair but I still think that you should be allowed to express your love for sports journalist or not Mary and Lucy, posh. <laughs> and Lucy I'm not sure if you get this but I always get it one of the first questions people will ask me when they see me on the street is who do you follow yeah who's your team yeah and I you know and, and I have my teams that I pay closer attention to um and do you want to out yourself or no yeah. Go on, Go then. on. So yes. the, the Melbourne Storm, it's been a really oh. tough 10 years for me, obviously, and they're really struggling. No, so the Melbourne Storm. Um, Excuse me, why the Melbourne Storm, out of curiosity? We're both, I know you were born in Darwin, but we could have, we effectively say that you were born in Canberra, let's yeah, be I'm, honest. I'm born north of the border, so that's all that matters. <laughs> why don't you support um, the Canberra Raiders? Well, th- that's a close second, a very okay. close second. So, but why the Storm? Justify it first. <laughs> just, so I went to boarding school and university in Melbourne, and I consider Melbourne the melting pot of Australian sport um, and as such I was going to AFL games I went to some A-League games I remember going to um, an Everton game they played Melbourne Victory Lucy years Stop. ago yes wow um, and then I got into rugby league and I was like well Storm's the team here but it was fascinating because people like Cameron Smith and Billy Slater can walk down Chapel Street and no one no one turns an eye mm. but, really? crazy huh but, really? but if you are a, a, like you know a no-name rookie on Collingwood or Essendon's list like you're mobbed Free coffees. Mate, come in, free coffee. It was, yeah, it was a, a total, like, bl- totally blew my mind. Wow. 
Wow. Mm. So yeah, so Melbourne because I was there, and then I, then when I moved to Sydney, I was like, well, they're a good team to go for, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change that. But yeah, Canberra Raiders close second, having spent so much time in Canberra. I vaguely remember when they changed the milk color when Canberra milk <laughs> to green brought out the lime green milk. Yeah, I was very young, but I do remember that. Um, and my boyfriend at home is a mad Canberra fan. So the happy, good on you, Tommy. The happiness of our weekends hinges on the result of the Raiders. So not a great year this year. No, uh, but <laughs> there's but always get, next year. We can get rookie of the year. Exactly. Right, we'll, take, yep. we'll take that. Come on, Ricky. 2018. It's got to be. It's got to be our year. No. Are you shaking your head for it. It's got to be Param- – come on, give me something. Oh, they haven't won God. in the time I've been alive. Alive. Yeah, look, <laughs> and I'm not a young woman anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it is impressive actually given they fin- – like where did they finish on the ladder last year? They were stripped of their 12 points, finished somewhere near the bottom for then Brad Arthur to turn around and take them to the finals. I'm so proud Pretty of them. impressive. Very impressive and yeah. disappointing to go out the way that we did but at the start of the season success looked like making the eight and yeah. we absolutely did that. And they lost to the storm of all people who oh, are, no. you know – your people. Yeah, overwhelming favourites to take it out tomorrow. Speaking of overwhelming favourites, mm. let's preview the grand final, but we'll take a quick breath so we can all have water and coffee. Lucy? Yes, Hannah, tell us, where did you get your second <laughs> coffee from today? We were we were literally treated like social pariahs today, scouring the streets for coffee. No, oh my, just no, so, honestly, let's yeah, just go so back, you know, yeah. like we went to a cafe that we always go to, um, Hannah and I in our local neighbourhood. It was closed because of a Jewish holiday. Muzzle tough, no disrespect. Anyway, we then go off, we then go off to Bill's, which is where we occasionally like to go, you and I, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we we ask for another coffee and no, what happened? The machine busted. <laughs> yeah, sorry, our grind is broken. It'll take us a while to get it back up. But then not only that, what else happened after that? (laughs) So then I'm standing inside and they're like, I'm sorry, but you can't wait inside. I was like, why? (laughs) And they're like, you have to wait outside, outside the restaurant. We can't have anyone waiting indoors. So then I walked out. I was like, Lucy, let's go somewhere else. She got kicked out of bills. I felt like I said, it it? reminds me of the time I was 21 and being denied entry to (laughs) the dirty bird in Goulburn on a night out. Like that's a low light for me. You talk about career highlights, that's a low light for me. (laughs) Not being allowed into a nightclub in Goulburn. Sorry, Mum. (laughs) It was a bad night. Anyway, take a break, by the way. We live to play. We play to win. We try and try. We won't say die. We won't give in. We're number one. We'll hold the line. We won't step back. We'll just attack time after time. We're lightning fast. We'll drive like rain We won't be beat, we won't retreat Ice in our veins We are the storm from Melbourne Town will blow the others off the ground We are the storm and we're number one It's Christmas Day tomorrow, NRL Grand Final Day. Hannah, my first question for you, where are you watching the game? I'll be at the game. Fantastic. Yes, uh, I'm actually working for the 20s doing their Grand Final, um, Parramatta and Manly. It's going to be a big one. I've done some Holden Cup during the final series and there's some serious talent there that we'll be seeing playing first grade next year. So it'll be a great day. So I'll just hang around for the big game. The big game. What about you, Lucy? Where will you be watching? I actually have to work because I don't have a life or Josh Reynolds in my life, so I have to... (laughs) 
So I actually have to work, um, and that's fine because my schedule is is pretty crazy at the moment. But I am going to go to a pub with my girlfriends afterwards to watch it because I think uh, you can't best encapsulate that good raw emotion unless you're in a pub with everybody mm. getting right into it. If you're yes. not at the game, then I think that's pretty much the second best option. So that's my plan. Mary, are you going to the game? Surely you're going. I am definitely going. I'm going to go cheer on Parramatta in the under-20s because yes. if I can't have them in the grand final, I might as well have them there. And then I'll also be cheering on the P&G Hunters, Hannah. Have you yes. been following this story? A little, yeah. It's been amazing. So I used to live in PNG. Did you? Yes, I did. Um, Mum and Dad were there for 10 years and I went to the international school there for two years and then went off to boarding school in Melbourne and would fly back every every school holidays. And Who are you? Like, seriously, <laughs> born in Darwin, you went to boarding school in Melbourne mm. and now lived Grew in, in P- PNG. Grew up in Canberra. Mm. Like, now what else is going on? What else is going on? Like, are you, are you some kind of secret Wall Street trader as well? Like, I, I just want to know. Who I is wish this person jellyfish. that I'm friends with? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wish jellyfish. <laughs> now how adorable. old are you? Who are you and now how old are you? <laughs> um, the PNG Hunters are an incredible story. I so hope they are going to win tomorrow. That country, I cannot tell you how important rugby league is to the country wow. of Papua New Guinea. Like, you know, Aussie rules, nup, like union, nup. Rugby league, yes. Wow. Greg Inglis, when he went over and toured with the Kangaroos, I remember they had so many requests for GI to do the, to do the Goanna after we scored a try that the media guy had to go up to GI before the game and be like, mate, please. <laughs> Just if do the you, Goanna. If you score, please don't forget to do the Goanna. And he's like, yeah, no worries. And the crowd lost their mind. I remember wow. I went to one of the games um, when they played the PNG Kummels and it was the Kangaroos and, you know, the Kangaroos thumped them. But the crowd, I mean, most of the crowd were actually going for the kangaroos because they've got players like Jonathan Thurston and GI there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's incredible. Come state of origin, like, you know, some people die in that country. Like, it is such a big deal. Wow. So you will hear it plenty of times on the coverage tomorrow that rugby league is PNG's national sport. The Hunters have only been in the Queensland Cup for four years and their goal was to make a, you know, grand final in five years and they've done that. So everyone get out there early tomorrow mm. if you're – planning on going to the grand final because it's going to be an outstanding game. Lucy. Yes. Macklemore. Okay. Talk to me. Um, look, he's no stranger to controversy. That's something that we know about Macklemore many years ago. I think um, he dressed up, had a prosthetic nose on and a wig uh, at one of his performances and, of course, was accused of being anti-Semitic. Mm. And then he tried to defend it and say that, you know, no, it, did, it certainly didn't look like I wasn't trying to do that at all. But that's like saying, well, if I paint my face black and put on an afro, no, I had no intention of dressing like this particular race or nationality. It's mm. it's it's irrelevant. And he did end up coming out and apologising. So he's no stranger to controversy. But I think that, you know, this is something now, given the situation that we're in as a country with this plebiscite vote, um, that has attracted even more um, controversy and been a real talking point. I know that... in ex-NRL player Tony Wall came out and said, keep the politics out of the awesome sport of rugby league. I'm in two minds about it, and I am, because, you know, the, the argument is that you're going to have some people there because he is singing his song, Same Love. Um, it's an ARIA chart-topping song at the moment. Um and it is obviously feeding into the narrative that we're all talking about at the moment about this same-sex marriage vote. Um, there are The argument is that some people there will feel uncomfortable. Um, but then the other argument to that is, well, you've got same-sex people here in this country that feel incredibly uncomfortable by what's going on at the moment. You've got, you know, 22 million plus people being able to decide on whether or not you should be able to marry the person that mm. you love. So there are a lot of arguments in this. 
I tend to share a similar belief with Tony in that we should keep politics out of sport. Um, I think it's if it's it's going to make anybody feel excluded or divided or uncomfortable. Do I think we should be doing it? No, because sport is a place where we should all be able to come to it and feel free from discrimination or, you know, not like we have to face politics or any of the grim things going on in our in our lives. And um, It's what we turn to when we're trying to escape that stuff. Absolutely. And that's, you know, the beauty of football and it has been for so many years, particularly in my family's lives. You know, it was Croatian immigrants that came out here um, in the late 1960s. For them, they wanted to escape um you know the difficulties of growing up in a in a in a, in a country that was suffering really, um, and in their respective villages too. They didn't have it easy, so to come here and to be able to identify with football was something that they really um, they really clutched onto because it was a home away from home for them, and they were able to establish an identity here in Australia. So for something like this, I can see both sides of the coin. Um, You know, we talk about being journalists and being impartial. I can see that maybe there will be some people that will be made to feel uncomfortable by it. But do you necessarily want to be talking about a headline act when you've got rugby league, the grand final, the pinnacle of the sport being played out on this massive stage? Not really. So for me, I kind of think let's just talk about the footy. Yeah. You know, but you know what's interesting? Macklemore was talking overseas about him coming out to Australia and, and the, I suppose the dialogue that we've been having about is he going to play the same love song? Is, is that going to happen given our same-sex marriage chat at the moment? And I kind of like the fact that if, you know, if, if that headline is what it takes for rugby league to be known over in America, let's talk about it. And we talk about growing the game and I think whoever decided to get Macklemore on was a genius. You know, if you get if you get the the rock bands, the the Foo Fighters to come out, those bands that are that are heard on Triple M, for example, in in, in Australia, the Triple M fans are already going to be at the footy because they're already footy fans and they love that. Getting Macklemore appeals to a whole different audience, and that's they're the fans that they want to get out to the game. So they might not love rugby league, but they'll be like, "Hey, mum," or "Hey, mate," do you want to go out and watch Macklemore perform? And yeah, we may as well stick around f- for the game if that's what it takes to get more people through the gates at ANZ. I'm but all did for you it. ever think, Han, that there was going to be any trouble with selling out a rugby league grand final? No. I didn't. See, that's the thing too because I – and I'm always very much about as long as there's a positive headline attached to it, that's why you want people coming to the sport. And I'm I'm only coming from a place where in football, you know, we often talk about growing the game and appealing to the casual sports fan. Quite frankly, I don't really care about the casual football fan. And I know that sounds a little bit disrespectful but I'm also thinking about, well, I want those fans, those purists, the ones who truly love, live and breathe the game to be turning up every week. If you're just the fly by the seat of your pants kind of – maybe I'll come to an exhibition match if Arsenal or Tottenham or Liverpool are playing, you know, we're not going to be able to translate you. So, you know, you're always going to have this core rugby league supporter base. You want them coming there for the game, for the footy. This is what I prefer to be talking about. And like I said, I understand both sides of the coin. But I think that, you know, it's, it's disappointing when things like this become the topic of conversation and not the showpiece. I guess I should have my 30 cents before we talk about the showpiece. Go on then. Look, I'm really proud that the NRL has come out and Todd Greenberg has said that our game is welcome for everyone and that no matter who you are, where you're from, what you do, the rugby league family is one that welcomes you. There may be some people that are uncomfortable tomorrow, but if you don't like the song, go to the bathroom. 
And really, he'll we play are thrift just, shop tomorrow. Like he'll play all his songs, right? But really, we are just talking about a song. That's too, it. Yeah? Yeah. It's a song. Yeah. It's not like he's getting up there. And I mean, look, th- this is the thing. If you've got the NRL supporting same-sex marriage, then that's something that you've got to either support or go and follow another sport. But you'll find that a lot of the codes here in the country have come out and expressed Absolutely. their support. Mm. And a lot of these players as well, even in in football, we have gay and lesbian players. Mm. And you know, you don't necessarily hear about it being spoken of. But this is what's going on. This is a reality. This is life. If you feel uncomfortable by it, it doesn't mean that it's going to go away. And they, it's not going to stop happening. That's this right. Is the thing. Mm. So yeah, I mean, there are several. Like I said, there are several sides to this story. But you know, irrespective, you're going there for the footy. And if Tony Abbott wants to come out and say that you know politics and sport shouldn't meet, then I object to him going and meeting the Socceroos <laughs> and giving you know Lucas yeah. Neal a jersey with you know Abbott written on the back I of it. Obje- like, come I, on. I object to him wearing speedo. But that's not stopping him. So, <laughs> exactly. You know, there we go. It's a yeah. no to speedos for Tony Abbott. No, and Lycra. No, no. You guys seen him in Lycra? Ooh, no, those, like, I haven't. Speed, speed dealer sunglasses? That's Ooh. the way to disappoint me and put me off my oncoming breakfast, Hannah. <laughs> this the one is, that you won't have with me because you've got to go to work. Yeah, this no. is when I don't want politics and sport to mix. Let's get on to the sport. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Melbourne Storm the North Queensland Cowboys. This is going to be an exceptional game. The Melbourne Storm have been the best team by far all year, rated first in attack, rated first in defence. Players like Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, Suliasi Vunavalu, Josh Adokar. Just the whole team, Mary. Pretty much the whole team. Hannah, everyone's been talking about the Cowboys fairy tale, and we'll get on to that. I think I would feel a little bit sorry if the Storm didn't win tomorrow. They deserve it. Absolutely. And um, I want to answer that, but I want to kind of go to Lucy just quickly. This is reminding me of, of last year's A-League Grand Final when oh, it was Sydney, Sydney and – Yes. And it and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like they've been the best team all competition. They have to win. But at one stage it was looking like Melbourne Victory were going to win – and I, like I was on the edge of my seat, being like, "Oh my gosh!" And I remember watching the game, being like, "What is going to happen here?" Because it would be the great fairy tale for Melbourne to get up, a la the Cowboys. But also, I'd feel a little bit ripped off that the best team of the competition didn't actually take out the title. Did you see that? Absolutely. It was the biggest conversation in football. Um, You know, Sydney FC absolutely dominated um, the entire league, which is why I still think that we should abolish the whole final system in in football too. I know that it adds this element of drama for for the fans because we don't have promotion relegation. But, you know, in football around the world, in all the top leagues around the world, if you finish first past the post at a certain point, you are given the title, right? And that makes sense in football because that's how it's always been done. But because we want to, um, you know, inject a bit more drama into it because the reality is we need it sometimes now without promotion relegation you're sort of thinking well where is this going to go what 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 are we going to get the fans to get excited about um but at one point during the course of that match when um when Melbourne victory went ahead I thought wow we are in trouble here. And it would have been an absolute crying shame if Sydney FC didn't win it. Um, but that's why when you talk about this sort of scenario, I know you're going to ask us for our predictions, Mary, but the best always prevail ultimately. Mm. And that's how you have to look at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like how you – I liked how you weave that in with a bit of football. Oh, thanks, Lou. Isn't that nice? Handball and football coming together. <laughs> oh, God, here she goes. Um, so, Mary, yeah, as you say, the Storm have been – have been first and then it's daylight until second. Uh, At least that's how it's felt during the year. They only lost four games and some of those were over the origin period when their greatest players weren't available to them. You know, this year, the Storm, well, this year and the last couple of years, actually, the Storms had the highest completion rate, but they haven't had the highest points 
So they were keeping the ball. They weren't able to turn that possession into points, and so they needed a way to revolutionise the way that they scored. So Brody Croft, Billy Slater, and Cameron Munster, with the assistant coach Adam O'Brien, came up to Sydney and actually met with Maddie Johns, and was like, "Right, how are we? How do we capitalise on this? Because we have all the possession, we, we're not always capitalising on the points." And then that's when they start to use their wingers a bit better. So Lyasi Vunivalu and Josh Adokar, they are t- like they are seizing every opportunity. Other wingers in the competition aren't doing that for their team. So I think that's really interesting. And as we progress, I know Cooper Cronk's leaving at the end of the year. There's a question mark around Billy Slater. Will he retire? Will he not? But Do I you think... reckon he will, Han? No, I don't think so. Oh. No. Because how old is he now? 30... I want to say two, 32 or 33. Yeah. Okay, so you've still got some gas in you. Yeah, I don't think so. After everything that he's done... Two, three shoulder operations, two years out of the game, comes back this year to be almost better than we've ever seen him before. To hang up the boots at the end, as a fan, I'm not ready to see him walk away from the storm. I also don't think the storm would want to let him go without giving him the proper farewell that he deserves. We've had a lot of celebration about Cooper Cronk as much as he will... um, play it down and say I'm taking the emotion out of it. It's all about the game, which is completely understandable. Um, there's a part of me that you that would think you'd really enjoy to be farewelled by the team that you've given Absolutely. so much of your career to. So Absolutely. I think Billy Slater certainly deserves that. Do we also think, though, can I raise this question, Cooper Cronk, okay, so we all know it's been very publicised about his decision to move to Sydney for his beloved and our beloved Tara Rushton, who we very much adore here our in beloved, Ladies Who League absolutely. and as human beings as well, great Hi, friend to both of us. We love you, Tara. <laughs> all of us here. All of us here, in fact. Um, But do we think that he's going to play on? Because a lot of the discussion has been around, um, and I'll put it to both of you, obviously being so heavily involved with rugby league, but there's been a lot of discussion about, okay, well, he's moving for love and this looks like he's prioritising that in his life. But you'd also, you'd kind of be safe to think that if he was going to walk away from the game entirely, he would have also thrown that into the mix and said, this is my last season of footy, I'm done, I'm out, I'm going to go and move to Sydney to be with my you know, future wife and then focus on life after that. Is there something else going on? Are there rumblings? Are there rumours flying about that he is going to sign with the Sydney club? So I haven't heard any rumours, but I'm not privy to many rumours because <laughs> I'm not very good at keeping a secret. I oh, think... gee, I'm so glad I told you my personal information before, Mary. Fantastic. <laughs> good at keeping your secrets, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> I think that this will be it for Cooper Cronk, particularly really? if they win tomorrow. Particularly if they win tomorrow. I think he will walk away. I think he is moving to Sydney and I think he will take a role in the media. Really? That's what I think he'll do. Mm. I can't see him in another jersey. Tanner Banana. It's it's really hard to... Could you see him in a Newcastle jersey or a Cronulla jersey? Well, well, South Sydney was the team that they were throwing around the Rabbitohs. Cooper Cronk going to Redfern. I can't see it. It's really it's hard to picture someone in a different coloured jersey. Uh, I know it happens all the time, but when someone spent their entire career at one club um, and then potentially to go out with a, um, a premiership tomorrow, that would just be I, – if I was a player, I'd love to hang up the boots after that because not many players get to a, win a premiership and then get to retire off the back of that. Um, and, yeah, he, he would have certainly uh, a standing offer at Fox Sports, I would say, because he's been so exceptional in our Absolutely. coverage this year. 
But do you know what? The way I look at it, and if this is the last point that we make on it, um, let that be it. But I – look, I grew up with two professional footballers, right? And I know what lo- life in retirement is like for them. It's not easy. And it's even more difficult when, say, for Ned, for example, when he's still working on the coverage, to be looking at that and sort of still thinking that you wish that you were a part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, even Ivan, my brother who I live with, um, one of my very, very good mates too, um, you know, I still see that he wishes that he could still be a part of the game. And I think for an athlete, um, you know, it is always good to want to end on a high note, but my counter to that is that you've got the rest of your life to be in retirement. You don't have mm-hmm. the rest of your life to be a player and to enjoy that. And I think it for as long as you still have that bit of gas in you and that you're still wanted by a club and there still is a place for you in professional sport, my advice is go out and do it for as long as you damn well can. Because what happens if he hangs up the boots and two years later he goes, I, I called it too early. I really should have played on. No what one, everyone always thinks that they either called it too early or, you know, that they wish that they could have gone one more year. But I, you know, I for as long as, and he's still an immense talent, an immense talent in this country. I think it would be a crying shame to, to see him hang up the boots. I do. Because you can't take that moment back. So you can't. Before we move on to the Cowboys, on Cooper Cronk, I just want to say that I think a big part of it as well is playing with Billy Slater and Cameron Smith. Ooh. The three of them together, I mean... Rugby League's favourite boy band, Breaking Up. Like, truly, it would be like, you know, Nick Carter going and singing with Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Like, it's it's just I used right. to have fantasies about marrying Nick Carter back Me in too. the day. You Me know, too, didn't we all? Pushing the hand in the shower, pretending it was oh him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, I know I can't tell you that off air, Mary, because you wouldn't keep the secret, so I may as well oh. just oust myself now as a young 11-year-old girl fantasising about marrying Nick Carter. I mean, how terrible is that? But look... I I don't think that because you're almost then saying that all right you take this band this rugby league boy band apart and they're not going to be as good as who they are individually. No, I still think he'll carve it up. I still think Cooper. I still will think be he'll carve it up. Just I don't know. It it just feel different. Yeah, it'll feel very different. Anyway, I want to talk about the Cowboys. Okay, go. Cowboys. Let's do it. Let's do I it. Found, I fantasize about Ethan Lowe having a shower. That's oh. what I fantasize about. Like wow. honestly, well. no, like. Having oh a shower God. because he looks <laughs> that's come out so badly. It he looks he looks like he needs to have a good scrub. Don't you agree? Doesn't anyone agree with me? Mary. He needs to cut his hair. <laughs> his black eye. His black eye is hectic. I was talking to Gavin Cooper, um, the captain of the Cowboys <laughs> at the Dally M's, and I was like, Rescue it- this, Hannah, rescue it. <laughs> yeah. It's in desperate need of resuscitation. We need to navigate this back to Carmel. I waters. know. I need to jam it in reverse like Cameron Smith did at the Dally M's when he said that Barb cracked crack the whip, and then was like, No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Panic. We well, don't have any you whips. Know, you know why he said, No, she doesn't? Because then behind his back, she cracked the whip. <laughs> Oh, I was backstage going, I've never seen anyone jamming in reverse so hard. <laughs> um, Ethan, like, yeah, he's black. I was talking to Gavin Cooper yeah. and I was like, can he actually see out of that thing? And he's like, yeah, it's fine now. Um, a lot of the brute, like a lot of the swelling's gone down. It's just black. And I was like, because it was, it was like closed. Yeah. yeah. It's a real um, perler. Yeah, well, it was it was incredible. The byproduct of competing in sport. I mean, you go to a women's sale on Boxing Day, and I've come away with <laughs> black eyes myself. So really, it's no different. But the Cowboys, mm, Hannah, yeah. what a phenomenal season they've had! It was incredible. I had pictured the Cowboys. I think halfway through their Mad Monday, Michael Morgan put his beer down and was like, "Oh shit." 
Um, the Bulldogs have just rolled the Dragons. We are now <laughs> We're in the top in. eight. Holy, okay, guys, sober up. Everyone, Back to training. Okay. Everyone to training. Okay. Greeny, Greeny. All right, we go, we'll meet you at the paddock. Like, honestly, wow. they they fell into the top eight. And they, they had a great season. But when you have the injuries to Matt Scott and Jonathan Thurston, they would be forgiven to have not made the eight. As much as the fans would love to see them in there, they would they would be okay with the fact that without a third of their salary cap, understandable, you're not going to make the top eight and then head into the finals. And then they got into the finals and everyone was like, oh, my God, you'll last one week. And sure <laughs> enough, they have somehow pulled like a rabbit out of the hat and they have made it to the grand final. And Jonathan Thurston was flying down with the team and um, every week and I would often see him at the grounds and I'd be like, huh, good luck today. And he's like, yeah, thanks. And, you know, you kind of walk away being like, surely they're going to get they're rolled. Gonna get Get towelled up and today. It, it happened like three weeks in a row, and I was like, "Oh, and now they're in a grand final." Can make I ask, sure you wish him luck tomorrow. Yeah. Well, can I ask, yeah, were no, they no. playing exceptional footy then? Also, obviously, they would have had to have been, or was it a case of the other teams were a little bit disappointing? So they got a little bit lucky in that they needed the Bulldogs to beat the Dragons in the final round to make mm. the top eight. And the thing with the Cowboys was that they were very much described as brave throughout the season because mm. towards the end of the season they started looking tired. Hannah mentioned the injuries to Matt. Scott and Jonathan Thurston, but throughout Killer. the year they were also without Michael Morgan at some points. They were also rem- without yeah. John. I like- remember one game, and it was um, it was against the Panthers, or out in Penrith, and in the first half the coach lost. Michael Morgan, he had a couple of guys go off with HIAs and I remember at halftime doing a cross to Vonnie um, in the studio and being like, Vonnie, this is a repeat of last week. He lost wow. half of his team. He had all the players playing out of position. You had like wingers playing in the front row, like the small guys taking on the big guys. And I would just be like, how is he going to get this team through it? But they just banded together and they played for each other and that's what Paul Green was really proud of and they did that for a few weeks. So by the time they got to the finals, I feel like they'd done all that hard work mm. and they knew that they were in this for each other and that's that character and that bravery has taken them through. We talk about fairy tales, but this really is an exceptional team. So Michael Morgan was given the job of essentially filling in the shoes of the best player in the world, Jonathan Thurston, and his game mm. has improved so dramatically over the last 10 weeks. We've seen what Michael Morgan is capable of. Yeah. Jason Talmalolo now makes over 200 metres per game. We just expect it. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I kind of feel like he's shooting himself in the foot in a way because he's been so good. Everyone's going to expect that week in, week out. And he's just like, when you get punished for being good at your job, JT. A victim, Jason Tamalola, that is. A yeah. victim of his own success. Absolutely. Ethan Lowe has been sensational, like running down Will Smith and then making sure that the conversion was happening from the sidelines. Like he never gives up. Mm. His, his kicking has also been exceptional. Carl Felt, the best finisher in the game. <laughs> It's remarkable and to think that two years ago they were in a grand final, they still have 13 players from that team that play today that will be playing tomorrow. Wow. So 13 of their 17 minus a third of their salary cap in Matt Scott and Jonathan Thurston. But here's a question then, okay, because the Cowboys don't necessarily have a solid record against the Storm and and traditionally in sport you see that sometimes these things do stand but anything can happen because it's a grand final. You almost throw out previous form um, out the window. I mean, for me, I would love to see the Cowboys win it because of the the journey that they've been through this season. But then I also think the Storm deserve it more because they have been consistently the best all season. So that's my prediction, Mary. I'm going to just jump the gun and throw it out there. I think the Storm will win, but I'd like the Cowboys to win it. I like that prediction because that's sort of how I feel too. Mm. I'm going to say if it is close with 20 minutes to go when Jason Jason Tamalolo comes on to do his second stint – 
the Cowboys will win. Ooh, that's wow. what I'm going to say. Wow. So you, so you think his second stint is powerful enough to unravel the mighty Melbourne Storm? I certainly do. Okay. Come on, you Melbourne grubby Melbourne oh, Storm fan. I have a prediction then. I think Melbourne are going to win and win comprehensively wow. by twenty by twenty points. Wouldn't surprise me though. Mm. That's the thing. Like mm. it wouldn't surprise me if that happened. It wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys won, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was really close. That's the beauty of our game. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. You know, um, everyone asked for the Clive Churchill. Who's going to get it? Uh-huh. I think Will Chambers might get it. I would like to see Cameron Smith get it because the bloke has won every award under the sun, but he has never taken home a Clive Churchill. And then he would certainly become the first player to win a State of Origin series, a minor premiership, a Dalian medal, the Clive Churchill medal, a grand final, and then potentially a Rugby League World Cup. At the oh, end someone of the year. just take DNA testing already because he sounds yeah. like a bionic man. Like, yeah. who is he now? The Terminator? For goodness <laughs> sake, stop being such an overachiever, Cameron Smith. I've had uh, enough. Quite leave frankly. something for the rest of us. Exactly, exactly. He, he but, looks, he but looks what, like an accountant yeah. and acts like the Terminator. <laughs> I was. <laughs> That's Gee, we've hammered just about everyone on this show today. But you all. know what? That's the benchmark, isn't it? If you mm. are a youngster, a part of this Melbourne Storm team, you're looking up to a guy like Cam Smith and saying, I don't want to just be him. I want to be better than him. Mm. So to have a leader like that in and amongst the playing group, outstanding. We all know that the rugby league season is coming to an end and so is the AFL season, but that doesn't mean that there isn't plenty of sport to keep you entertained. To get you excited about the upcoming Suncorp Super Netball season, we're very lucky to be joined by the Sydney Swifts' new coach, Bryony Akel. Good morning, Bryony. How are you? Good morning, everyone. I'm fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much for making the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. No, uh, too easy today. Now, first of all, congratulations on your new role. Yes. I'm really keen. What's your history in the sport of netball been? Oh, gosh. I, ha- I was a player first. I probably – my mum tricked me into playing netball when I was about nine years old. <laughs> I was quite shy and she tricked me and said that we were going shopping one day. Oh, wow. And we rocked up to the local netball courts and I probably had a tantrum in the car before I got out and – <laughs> the rest is history, so I did get out of that car and played until I was 28. Um, I was a member of the Swift before it was the New South Wales Swift, it was the Sydney Swift. So I've come up through the pathway of New South Wales, obviously playing all junior reps, then going on to uh, play um, state 21s, and then Julie Fitzgerald, who's the Giants coach, um, coached me in 21s, and then lucky enough to get picked in the um, Sydney Swift. So... I played all the way through and then lucky enough to win two premierships with them. Finished on a high in 2004. Um, But through that, I always coached. So I always had a passion of giving back to the sport. And um, that was probably one thing that probably differs from the current players. They probably, because they're so professional now, you probably don't have as much time to do both. So I was fortunate enough to be able to 
do my accreditation and go through the um, Netball New South Wales pathway and coach junior reps and then um, junior state teams, which is fantastic. And then went on to coach the New South Wales Waratahs. Um, so I've, I've been involved for a long, long time behind the scenes. So I'm not that new. I've been around a long time. And, uh, yeah, super excited that this community's come up. Oh, what a journey that's been. That's incredible. I love that you're able to practice coaching, I suppose, earn your stripes there whilst you were playing. That's great. Uh, Bryony, what are some of the learnings um, that you've seen the Swifts go through over the last couple of years that you're going to look to change or incorporate into practice this year? Yeah, I think they've had a super platform. Right, right. Rob Wright has been a fantastic coach along with Anita Keelan and Megan Anderson. So they've had a great platform. Obviously, they've, they've had success. They've been, in, you know, very unlucky to win grand finals in extra time in the last few years. So, and then they've obviously had that change of uh, when the competition has gone to eight teams away from the Trans-Tasman and lost quite a few players. So they've rebuilt really well. I don't think anyone expected them to do so well last year. Um, they took it to a lot of those top teams. Uh, beat the Vixens um, so for me it's probably just uh, cementing the, the things that the foundation that I've already got and then building on that team culture and and bringing my experience into a player onto uh, onto the court in training sessions so I'm lucky that I've been there I know what it's been I know what it's like as a player um, I know what I like and don't like when you're dealing with coaches and um, I think that's probably the biggest thing I can bring into that uh, that environment of being a player um, and then into a coach. So hopefully, yeah, I'll, it'll it'll be a successful year ahead. Bryony, Lucy Zellich here from SBS. First of all, congratulations on the role. Um, I'm a massive New South Wales Swifts fan. I, of course, went to my first ever netball live experience um, last year and it was a Swifts game and it was fantastic. Um, it was the Swifts up against the Firebirds and the atmosphere, the following that this team has is just remarkable. But I want to talk about, I mean, you've just spoken uh, of, you know, the, the, the invaluable kind of traits, of course, that you've picked up now transitioning from a player to a coach. But what are some of the challenges as well that you've had to navigate through? Because it's not always easy to transition from being a player to then becoming a coach. Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest challenge for me is I've, what I've learned is you can't always be their, their best friend. And um, just learning where that line is in terms of a player-coach role um, and just, you know, having a great relation on and off the court with them, but knowing when business is business that you know, everyone's on that same path of uh, probably setting goals and things like that. So probably for me, the biggest challenge would be for them to get to know me. They've obviously had a great coaching Rob. So transitioning that, um, you know, having Rob's back, basically, if they've done a great job, but what can we do now and move forward with the Swiss with the current group and the current coaching staff? Bryony, like Lucy, I became a netball convert last year. And look, I jumped on board the Giants netball team, but... Don't hold that against me, please. <laughs> my, question okay. is, my question is, for people that haven't watched much netball, why should they get out there and support the Suncorp Super Netball Comp? Oh, I just think it's fantastic. And so you turn up and have a look live, people don't understand how fast it is. I mm. think they, sort of, they don't realise how athletic these girls are and they train so hard. And obviously I've worked in rugby league and I've seen their daily training environment. I often used to think when I was a player... Gosh, I would have loved this opportunity to be able to, you know, train full time. And these girls put in so much work, and it's such an awesome um, event to watch live. I mean, the atmosphere, the Swifts have got some great fans, as you guys said, and just turning up to watch these girls in action, it's completely different to watching it on the TV, I think. So, yeah, totally agree. I think just getting out there, experiencing the atmosphere, 
seen, they're great role models. They, um, they, they're fantastic when they get out in the schools and talk about all things sport as well as studying and how they manage their everyday life. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great spectacle. Bryony, in terms of the professionalism of the sport, I noticed that for the Super Netball Comp in the girls' contracts, if they want to go off and have a baby, they're they're actually able to do so and that comes out of the team's budget and they can have a carer travel with the team. They also make sure that training is outside of the hours of sort of a nine-to-five job if they wanted to go and study. How long has yep. it taken to get to a point in the game for you to sort of see something like that happen? Because it's quite revolutionary for women's sport. Oh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think the Kiwis do it really well over the ditch in New Zealand. They've got players that will, um, top-line players that play, that go off and have a baby and come back, and they've got that real family environment and atmosphere that they create within the clubs. And I think it's taken Australia a long time to realise that those those players that you know are over 28, that they're invaluable to a team's culture and performance. And to be able to have that support and know that it's okay to bring your child to training and someone's there to look after and take that stress away. Um, and obviously having flexible training hours will help that. But I think it's fantastic that netball has taken this line and um, hopefully other sports will follow. So talk us through the upcoming season then, Bryony. What can we expect from the Swifts? Oh, gosh. Um, hopefully some success and some wins on the board. Go on, um, you Swifts. <laughs> yeah, come on, Swifts, I say. Let's bring back that two years ago in the grand final. A lot of people have said to me they're a young, inexperienced team. I've sort of taken a different tack for next year that I truly believe that they do have experience. They've got some internationals in there and obviously Kate Tadley as a, as a diamond and bring loads of experience. We've, we've got girls going off and playing fast five for Australia, so... You know, for me, it's bringing that together to say, hey, I've got full confidence in you that we can make this top four, you know, even top two. So it's probably instilling the fact that last year they lost games by five or less, you know, in five five games. So to me, that's such a positive thing moving into uh, 2018 and just instilling the fact that we can do it and bring back success to the club that's um, fortunate to have it in the past. Bryony, before we let you go, I have to ask you, who is going to win the NRL Grand Final tomorrow? Oh, I'm, I'm going out. I'm going to say the Cowboys. Ooh, I like it. I'm Cowboys. saying the Cowboys as well. I like that. Who doesn't love a good fairy tale, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on their bandwagon. I think, uh, I reckon they can do it. I'll see you on the bandwagon tomorrow. Thanks so much <laughs> for your time, Bryony. All the best, Bryony. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thank you, guys. and that's it our grand final show finished i want to say a massive thank you to everyone that has helped with this show this year to my amazing producer Brittany carter who i have no words i just don't have words anymore for how much i appreciate her contribution to this show she's my partner in this show and it wouldn't be anything without her so thank you Brittany. Mary, I'm going to interrupt you right there because you're all about giving the love and you have no words. Guess what? I've got words for you. You are truly, and I mean this from my heart of hearts, and I know that I speak on behalf of so many people, not just in the rugby league community, but in the sporting community. You are such a valuable, valuable part 
of this Australian sporting community. And we want to thank you as well for mm. everything that you do tirelessly, effortlessly and for the pure love of it. And um, and I think you are such an asset to have and we are so lucky to work with you. You're such a shining, shining light. So thank you for everything you do. There are some yes. choice words for you, Mary Kay. Absolutely. Lucy, thank you. I Honestly, it's an honour and a privilege to be able to work with the sports that I love so much. That's really that's really all I have to say. But, um, yes, thank you to everyone who's come on the show this year and thank you to our listeners who yes. get behind me and support this show and share great women's sports stories with me. Thank you. You are also such an important part of the Ladies Who League family. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on. I just love having you in here. We always have so much fun. I love being in here and I forget that we're actually here to do a job and serve a purpose apart mm. from then, you know, scaling the eastern suburbs for coffee, which we also, by the way, Hannah Hollis, didn't get to finish our story, did we? <laughs> no. So we get kicked out of bills, right? This is a nice way to end the show because we didn't want to leave you on a soap opera cliffhanger. Like the last thing I want is people tweeting and going, so what ended up happening with the coffees? <laughs> well, guess what? Now we're telling you what happened with the coffees. So we get kicked out of bills and we're standing there. We're like, okay, so what are we going to do? And I said, well, why don't we skip over to Gertrude and Alice? Mm. And you did skip over to Gertrude and Alice and then you ran into a lovely fan who I saw oh. you acknowledging on the street and I thought, oh, look at this social butterfly. She's running into a dude from New York on the street, then she's acknowledging someone else. I was like, who am I with here? Like Camilla Parker Bowles has come out to party, hasn't she? Look so at her, greeting all of her minions on the road. So I walk out and I've got the copies in hand and there's this guy on the other side of the street and he's waving. And I, I turned around and I, I was like, who are you waving at? And then I was like, are you wave? And I just, I'm like, are you waving at me? Like trying to, because I got four hands with coffee. And, and he's like, yeah, and like gives me a thumbs up. And I'm like, hey, like kind of give him like, the only thing I can like equate it to is 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 the fan wave that some players give you if you see them on the street and they're kind of like, yep, hi, yep, okay, this is my time off. <laughs> and I walk across the road and Lucy's like, oh, do you know that guy? And I was like, no, he's a stranger, get in the car. Like, <laughs> I don't know who that is. But then in addition to not just having, this is where we'll leave it, poor Mary wants to like wrap up the show. I feel like I've got, if you were a producer, your hand would have come <laughs> off by now from all the wind-ups. <laughs> But, 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 so <laughs> so we turn up here and Hannah's like, mm, I feel like I could go another coffee. And I'm like, hey, we just went through the zombie apocalypse of no coffees and now you're <laughs> going to be demanding another one. Oh, what happens? In comes this glorious man with a coffee for Mary Kay, right? No, the coffee was not just to come in and give to Mary Kay. It was just an excuse to see the great HH. Yeah, he's like, hi, he's like Hannah Hollis, I'm a big fan. He's, I'm Brian Fletcher, so I work with Fletcher on the Maddie John Show on a Thursday. His name's Bush and he's his business partner and I think their offices are in this building. And so he comes in and he gives you this coffee and he get, gives me a big cuddle and he's like, great work, want to well, see more Well, he gives Mary you? the coffee but with the pure intention of coming to see you. <laughs> right, he then, he then walks out. He then walks out and then the door closes and Mary Mary's like, Hannah, do you want the coffee? Because I don't drink. <laughs> coffee and then Lucy loses her mind and is in the corner and yeah it was great so I end up getting my two coffees after all of that this morning from yeah. no coffee to good abundance. for you well guess what you got two coffees but you're walking home all right so I don't know who you're getting a lift home with but anyway oh. it's not me Josh Josh Reynolds are you out there <laughs> oh stop it my I just want to die right now please end the show Mary Hannah Thank you. Thank it's you, Mary. It's been such a joy to have you here. You are welcome anytime. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you. I've had a great time. This is fun. It, it is, is fun, fun, isn't it? We yes. have a lot of fun here. I don't know if the listeners are going to feel the same. Apologies then <laughs> if anyone's been offended or aggrieved by anything that was said. But, Josh, I'm not apologising to you at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're done. We're out. Enjoy your grand final weekend, everyone. I'll be on a quick break, but Brittany and I will be back for Ladies Who Legs Bin in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't know how to finish it. Should I finish it the way I always finish it? 
You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Yes! Turn your porch lights off because we're coming home with a trophy. Last play. Rebner goes down the short side, turns it away to Karina Brown. She puts it on the foot. That's taken the hand of Fiso. Brown hustling up. She's dived on the ball. You're listening to Ladies Who League.